for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. That's right. Busted Opens, the Masters class. This drops each and every Sunday on all podcast platforms. And, of course, as you all know, you can listen to Busted Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. And the best thing about the Masters class is we bring in the Masters. Tommy Dreamer, Mark Henry, Bully Ray. Guys, how are you today? Oh, Good, man. I'm, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. All right, I'm fired up because I think we have a great class that's going to be in session for the Busted Open Nation. And this week was the 25-year anniversary of King of the Ring 1996 when Stone Cold Steve Austin had the famous Austin 316 promo. And he came on, he talked about how something that happened at Madison Square Garden, everybody remembers the click, and, you know, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the click, you know, going outside of storyline in front of that garden crowd, the video footage getting outside the garden and kind of changed the perception of those four guys. Triple H that year was supposed to be the winner of King of the Ring 1996. But because of what happened, because of the punishment on Triple H, it was decided that Stone Cold Steve Austin would win King of the Ring. If that never happened, we would never had Stone Cold win King of the Ring, and we never would have gotten one of the greatest promos in the history of pro wrestling, the famous Austin 316. So I thought it would be great to talk to you three about something that happened in your careers, an incident, a match, a promo, something behind the scenes that changed the trajectory of your career. So... Mark, why don't I start with you? What happened in your career that completely changed the direction of what was going to happen next? Well, Dave, you know that when I came into pro wrestling, there was no such thing as a developmental system. There were still guys working in the territories, out on the road, five, ten years, paying dues, learning how to wrestle, putting the ring up, driving guys, doing running errands, whatever you could do to pay your dues to get into business, and I didn't. And which ultimately resulted in me getting sent to Canada uh, to be trained by Leo Burke because of Bret Hart uh, wanting to help me get 
acclimated to the pro wrestling world. Uh, I trained with Stu Hart. I trained with Brett and Owen when they came off the road sometimes. Uh, I, but Leo Burke was my coach. And day to day, Andrew Tess Mars, Martin, God bless his soul, was up there. Rodney Blackbeard, Glenn Kolka, um, several other guys that were trying to get into business that had been journeymen. Um, fast forward, I'm getting it. I'm loving it. I finally feel my place, and I get invited to go do the Pillman show. So I go to the Pillman show, and there's another guy that just happened to be there that, you know, the WCW was not doing anything with him, and he was, you know, kind of on the outs with them, and I was on the outs with the WWF. And finally, um, we both got in a place where they were like, hey, man, uh, you mind, y'all mind working together and, you know, having a match and, you know, like eight, 10 minutes, you know, and let's, you know, get out of there. Um, he's like, yeah. And so me and Hugh Morris at the time, uh, we went, sat down, put something together, um, I came up with a finish for us and I wanted to use my newfound athleticism uh with you know a few weeks in at a few weeks in W W uh I'm sorry. So I've having a few weeks at OVW and was getting in really, really good shape. So I had this match with Hugh Morris and we killed it. And <laughs> there were people that were like Damn, they should have put y'all on later in the show. And we're sitting on the floor in the back. And for the first time in my life, uh, somebody walks up and that guy happened to be Ricky Steamboat. And he was like, guys, it's really good to see that psychology still exists in our business. And that was the first time that I had confirmation that I was one of the guys. Nobody ever said anything to me like that before. And Hugh was like, man, that, that, that was awesome. We were leapfrogging, arm dragging, doing stuff that big guys shouldn't do. But we all made it make sense. And that was the turning point for me. Like, that made me go, man, I could do this. Like, a Hall of Fame guy just came up to me and patted me on the back. And it made me want to do even more things like that. So... That was, that was my turning point, man. Like, you know, I, I, I was in the best shape of my life at that point. Um, got in the nation, and, man, the rest is history. I just kept wow. going from there. Wow. Bully? Hmm. Um, I've actually had two uh, points in my career that I can least remember where the trajectory uh, changed for me. Uh, and actually, both of these moments revolve around Devon. 
Uh, when I first started ECW, I was this lovable character. I stuttered, I danced, I juggled. I was a 402-pound, you know, uh, comedian. And, um, and, and the ECW arena and the ECW faithful ate it up. And they would chant, dance, Bubba, dance. And then I would, you know, I, I would bust out some crazy dance moves. And everything that I did, they were eating up for a long time. And then one night I had to actually wrestle. And I wrestled Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. And I got exposed. People realized that I was the shits in the ring. And I really did not wrestle that well. And I really didn't know what I was doing. And shortly after that, the fans were calling for my head on a silver platter. Because now they saw through me. You know, as I said, I got exposed. Um, I was, the babyface thing was not working anymore. Devon had got brought in uh, during this time also, and me and Devon had a feud against one another because he didn't like the lovable, stuttering, happy Bubba Ray Dudley. And he was going to uh, impose his will on me. Me and Devon went to war together. We beat the shit out of each other. We did everything that we had to do to earn the respect of our fellow workers in the back, the respect of the fans, whatever, whatever was necessary. I knew me and Devon had a chemistry. We had a chemistry against each other. And at this time, Devon was also tagging with Axel Rotten. The ECW faithful loved Axel Rotten, and they hated Devon. So whenever they were out there together, it was like pulling teeth because the fans wanted to cheer for Axel, but they wanted to boo Devon, and you got a mixed reaction. And a mixed reaction is never good from, a, from an audience because are you loved or are you hated because you can't be loved and hated at the same time. I remember one night in the ECW arena when things were at probably a real low point for me. Um, I knew in my heart that I was a heel and that I could pull off a certain type of heel character that would really get people to despise me. And I thought I could bring Devon along for the ride also. I went to Paul Heyman and I went to Tommy because Tommy was Paul's right-hand man at the time. And I said, listen, this ain't working for me on my own, but if you put me and Devon together, I think we're going to have something. And Paul looked at Tommy and he said, fuck it. Let's do it. Let's try it. L you know, let's see what happens. And that's the first night that me and Devon ever hit a 3D. We hit the first 3D on Spike, and then we hit the second one on Sandman. And right then, in that moment, my trajectory changed. Because wow. from the second me and Devon got together, it was, <laughs> you know, pretty much off to the races for a t 20 years after that. And the second moment that changed my trajectory hey, Bob, hang is on after one those second. 20 years. Yeah. Um, for those people listening, go on YouTube and go on WWE, you know, network. Look, forget about the chair shots to the head when you talk about doing beating the shit out of each other. Um, also, kudos to Bully and Devon. Bubba once pulled off a pop-up cutter that the place erupted where you would see cruiserweights do this move but he did one of the first uh out of a backdrop which was off the charts innovative but my favorite thing i've seen on social media bully at his heaviest used to do a we used to call it the flying bus where he would do a complete over the top rope dive on top of everybody but divad to his credit took one by himself 
and him in the guardrail. Normally the guardrails would move, but for some reason these, I it looked like a Volkswagen fell on top of Devon or the house from the Wizard of Oz fell on the witch and Devon just disappears. So please look this up because every time I see it, I laugh like I'm laughing now because I remember saying, how is Devon alive for catching this man? Anyway, back to your side. It, 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 it's true. He he crumbled, uh, but, but he did catch me. And just real quick, the second time the trajectory changed for me was once that 20-year run came to an end, me and Devon legit had nothing left to do there was no territories left to go work in there are no there are no teams left to wrestle there were no championships left to win so we had to go our separate ways we had like kiss we had to take the makeup off we had to do something and i i said to myself if i'm going to stand out from devon i have to do something drastic and that's when I got into the best shape of my life. I lost about 105 pounds. I got down to 274. I was ripped, chiseled, and jacked. Maybe not that jacked, but uh, but it was the best that I had ever looked. And I was proud of myself for getting, you know, uh, you know, getting down to that. And that's when my whole Bully Ray thing and the TNA championship, that went into effect. So both times, like, Devon was kind of the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the antithesis, I guess, for, for, the the changes in the trajectory for myself see and this is amazing to me because and, and tommy got to witness this all because he was normally around for all this stuff but that's what but you like you went to paul Heyman, like you said tommy was with him at that time like his right hand man like if tommy would have said that nah, i don't think it's a great idea or if paul Heyman said eh, i don't think it's the right time who knows what your future would have been in pro wrestling who we may never have seen that hall of fame tag team get together or you know or even like you said later on in your career that transformation like because you were a completely different personality and character in tna you know and mark you know your your belief in yourself or knowing that at that time you needed to do something different like like it that's the amazing part is that all it takes is one guy to say no and who yeah. knows what direction your careers would have gone into David, um, because this isn't about us and we're a team, we're uh, four brothers from other mothers. What about you and your life? And uh, I know I know your story, but I don't know if everyone, your career trajectory for you were in, I mean, you tell your story, you were a banker. Yeah, no, I was, I, I was married, had a house, was a bank manager and, you know, getting divorced, I kind of just said, Hell, if I don't do it now, I was approaching 30 years old. And I said, if I don't make a change now, I'll never be able to do it. It's like I tried to make a positive out of the negative because everything I worked towards, my career, you know, my marriage, you know, getting a home, like this was all getting taken away because at the time the bank that I was working at as a bank manager was getting bought out and I was told that I was going to lose my position. So imagine in the same year you're losing your, you're, you're losing your home. You're losing your wife and you're losing your career. And I was approaching 30. So now it's like, what do I do? Do I just go back to this to, to the devil I know and keep going down that same road that I now have hit a dead end on? Or do I go down a new road? Which is a difficult to, thing to do as you're getting older. But I said, F it. And I did it. And I went back to school. And I got into radio. And I did that at the age of 30. So if... If, yeah, if you wouldn't be listening to me right now, if one of those three things 
probably didn't happen to me. And, or if those three things didn't happen in the same year, I probably wouldn't be doing the show with you. I know I wouldn't be doing this show with you guys right wow. now. Wow. Dropping science. What about, I don't know. What, about, what about the show itself and the trajectory of the show changing oh, based I, on I, one I, text? On one text. Yes. I mean, and then we and bull. You always talk about this. Is that you know on the air? I we we I talked about uh, Kenny Omega and Okada in the match in New Japan at Wrestle Kingdom and how I thought it was. And Tommy, you you mentioned this uh, on an earlier show too, like the perfect match. I thought it was maybe the best match I had ever seen. And Bully had heard it, and Bully texted me, and Bully was like, "You really thought?" That that was the the best match you've ever seen, and he started giving me examples of other matches, and it got to be such a lengthy text thread. I just I we just I think bully it was you. You just you just called me, and was just like, and we had the conversation over the phone, and then I was like, this would actually be a good conversation for on air, and and much like that bully or 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 mark with you like the conversation that we had in 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 Dallas, in Dallas. at WrestleMania like it's amazing you're right if but mark if i never had that conversation if we never met, met up at WrestleMania 32 you know you probably wouldn't be on the air right now bully if you didn't send me that text message you probably wouldn't be on the air right now it would probably just be Tommy and i 5 days a week Wow! It, it, it might have still been you and Doug. It, 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 it might, and or there wouldn't be any show at all because Doug is a VP with the company. This show might have died a slow death. Again, all it takes is a text message, a conversation, and you don't know what direction that you're about to go into. Tommy, what about you? Um, when when did you have a memorable trajectory change in your career? Um. Uh, mine was definitely in ECW. It was the early nineties. I was your prototypical, good looking, good bodied, uh, Guido looking baby face clapping, do shaking hands, doing everything. And Paul had seen something in me. I'll give credit where credit's due. Taz was the first person who told me to, Hey man, you got to get out there and you got to wrestle everywhere. And we got in the car, we went and wrestled everywhere. And then uh, Paul had done little things with me. I had my first match with Taz and the fans respected me. Paul built an episode around our match, but I was not over or getting over. And I did so much. I was getting victories. I was the first person to kick out of Jimmy Snuka's uh, Superfly Splash. The only person to ever do so. Still nothing. And I remember Taz was talking to Paul. And he was just like, man, this kid is tough. You don't understand how tough he is. Like, I would dump him on his head, try any suplex. I would do anything to him, and he would just keep on getting up. Circumstances happen. Uh, you know, taking from the real-life headlines, a kid in Singapore gets caned. Uh, it was a big, big uproar in the States that a U.S. citizen was going to get caned in foreign soil. Uh, so my biggest trajectory was, hang on, I got the date would be August, what is that number? 13th, 1994. And it wow. happened for me live. Uh, I lost the loser, gets caned. 
And I'll never forget, man. And, and, and this is not a gimmicked cane. This is a real weapon. The only weapon in professional wrestling. And I had to suck it up and I got hit the first time and it hurt and the people cheered and I got hit a second time and the people cheered and I had to keep on getting up. And by the fourth one, no one was cheering anymore. By the fifth one, I literally saw people who would boo me or I'd put my hand out to shake their hand and they pull it away and like think they were getting over on television. And that same person who didn't like me was, is literally like looking like, Hey Tommy, just stay down. You don't have to take it. And by the seventh one where my body, I'm, I'm gushing blood. Cause again, it's a real weapon. Uh, my every hit takes air out of your lungs. And now I'm what I literally watch an entire building start to feel for me. And by the eighth hit, I did not want to get up. And people kept saying like, Tommy, just stay down. And I remember looking to him and I'd be like, I can't. And it wasn't because I can't, because I had to fulfill the stipulation. I knew I had to get up because this was me getting over because now I'm feeling it. And I never felt it in the ring. You were just doing moves. By that 10th one, I'm now getting a standing ovation from everybody who was hating me. And I had earned everybody's respect. And my body, the proverbial covered in blood and sweat and dirt. And I was in so much pain. There was a piece of my tricep literally hanging out of my body. And I remember looking at Sandman and it was so emotional. His lower lip was quivering. And I said, I'm never going to give up. I'm going to always keep on fighting for these people. And I'm, you're never going to stop me. I'm going to keep on coming. And as soon as I turned around, he friggin' broke the cane on the back of my head which instantly lumped my back of my head up and I still got up. And every time I get knocked down, I would get up and that helped me build my career in ECW. And my career was changed instantly between those 10 lashes. And like, if you could see from every hit where I was from the robes and the suspenders to what I became, it was like every hit just changed me. And then I had, the Terry Funks tell me, just grow a, little, a goatee. It'll make you look tougher. But I was off and running after that. And then thankfully Raven came along and then I never looked back and I'm still here today. Wow, man. I didn't notice. Yeah, man. Like, man, I'm, I'm sitting here like my eyes welling up. <laughs> and that's you're very emotional, I'm, Mark. You're very, I'm emotional. very emotional. It don't look, I, I cried Disney movies. So I mean I'm I'm not. <laughs> well, don't, well, wait don't, a second. Don't, don't pull I your chain you, too I, much. I saw your eyes starting to well up a little bit while Tommy was telling that story. Too. Impossible, impossible, <laughs> never happened. You know what? Actually, you know why? Bullet you know does why not I cry. Yeah, no. You know why I was crying? Because when I heard Tommy say that he looked up, and the entire arena started to feel for me. Yeah. Right then and there, they feel for me. That's the emotional connection that I know I always talk about on Busted Open. That's yeah. the emotional connection that I know Tommy understands and Mark understands. And this is why we keep spouting off at the mouth about, you know, the moves versus the emotion, the characters and the story over the spots. Tommy didn't do a move. Sandman didn't do a move. 
Sandman was imposing his will in a very violent way on Tommy. And they looked into Tommy's eyes and they started to feel for him. That is what this business, unfortunately, is getting entirely too far away from. And that's why things are going to hit the the shit's going to hit the fan sooner than later and not in a good way. Well, you know what, man, we we. We talk about lists, Mark and Tommy. And Bo- we, we How many times we've done top 10 this, top 10 that, these greatest moments, this, that, the other thing. Have we ever talked about a move that happened in the ring? You know, when we talk about yeah. the, you know, Tommy telling that story about that Singapore cane. Or, you know, we talk about the face-off between The Rock and Hogan. Or we talk about all these things, Stone Cold's 316 promo. Have we ever talked about a moonsault off the top row? Never. All these things that resonate, that that touch your heart and get you emotional has never, ever been about a move that has happened in the ring. Ever. Dave, Dave, you're you're 100% right. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the common denominators. Faith in yourself. Belief in yourself is something that that all four of us just talked about. We we believed in us. Fuck what everybody else thought. We believed. We had faith in ourselves. The other thing is hard fucking work. Yeah. Working when everybody else took their ass home, I was still in the ring with Rodney Blackbeard when I was in, in Canada. And when I was in Louisville, we would go through an hour of cardio doing all of these different wrestling exercises. And then Rip Rogers would say, hey, you fat bastard, you want to go home? And I'm like, no. Nah. Well, come, come in here, let me show you something. The only reason Rip showed me shit was because I wouldn't go home when everybody else left. And Tommy just said the same thing. You did the same. You changed your whole life. And then that last thing. Everybody listen to somebody else. Tell them this is what you need to do to get there. You have got to put your pride aside and who the hell you think you are and what you think you deserve and be led by somebody that know more than you do. We all was able to listen. And Bully says this about his students. He tells them to shut up and do what you're told. And that's a novel concept because everybody has an idea and they want to say what they say, say their piece. Just be quiet and listen. That's what the master's class is. We're here trying to help the business. Mark, you talked about faith in yourself. Do you know why so many wrestlers, or I'll even venture to say younger wrestlers do so many moves these days? because they don't have any faith in themselves. Get in a wrestling ring, stand across from your opponent, and do nothing. 
and see how the people react to you. Have enough faith in yourself to do absolutely zero. And when they start reacting to that, that's when you know you have something. There are so many wrestlers that they feel, I have to do this move, I have to do this move, I have to do this move, because I can't just get over on my own with my personality. Thus, I have to keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. And this is a problem that is not getting better in wrestling across the board. Tommy talked about uh, uh, either Hogan and Andre staring at each other or Hogan and Rock standing at each other, and they did nothing. And the place boiled over, and they did nothing. It's because their characters were so strong. Yep. So and, that and, now I'll get off my soapbox. For uh, our listeners, too, you know, you heard Dave's story. Now, Dave has a, also a, a wrestling fan, but also has affected me, bully Mark Henry. We could all talk in front of people all the time, but how many times will I like text Dave or, or Mark and Bubba where, where, hey man, Dave has taught us the art of radio or when we're hosting alone, I got that same feeling. I know Bubba did. It's a lot harder um, hitting commercial breaks, all that stuff. And that stuff that, you know, Dave taught, us but like you have learned from others as well gabby praises you all the time look at gabby's uh rant that she went on for piper niven and, and the social media exposure yep. like literally that made gabby a star and it was something she was passionate about all that stuff but she listens to dave she always credits dave but like what i'm saying is like that's how it, it's in the real world too not in our our wrestling world so that's a master class as well Listen to to other people that may have more money than you or are your bosses. They're not always trying to screw you. They're trying to help you. Uh, valuable advice. I mean, from three of the greatest of all time that are part of this show. Thank you, Bully Ray. Four. Thank you, Tommy Dreamer. Thank you, Mark Henry. I'm the radio guy, but you guys are the guys that step into the ring, put your bodies on the line. And I would think if I'm a, I'm a young wrestler – that's who I'm going to listen to is the people that reach the pinnacle, not from somebody that's on their Twitter, but actually somebody that's been there and <laughs> has done it before. So, guys, I thought this was an awesome master's class. Thanks, as always. Again, this drops each and every Sunday available on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you can't get enough of it, subscribe to the Busted Open Podcast. Give us a rate. Give us a comment. Also, listen to our daily show Monday through Saturday. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time on Sirius XM Fight Nation channel 156. Guys, thank you so much for the time today. Uh, hang you, on Dave. one second. Uh, Ed, you can edit this out if you deem it like not appropriate, whatever. But I came off of a, doing a three-hour show, and this is all of us revealing things that we've never, ever heard of or done before. And I know I've eaten on the air, but this is the first ever time I peed while we were having our show because I had disgusting. You're a disgusting human being. You peed in your either pee my pants. I didn't want to leave. It was so intrigued. Tommy, in your protein, throw that cup away. Throw the protein cup away. You son of a bitch. You better not. I will fly to wherever you are and kick you in the pee. This will stay. This will stay because I got to be honest with you. 
every single radio person that's ever done a long shift that hasn't been able to use the bathroom has done the same <laughs> hold thing. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. No, I'm going to call him out. I'm calling him out because we got this on video now. Go ahead. Drink it. No, don't Tommy, no. Don't. Tommy, no. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Uh, Hi, Gabby. Waterworld. Goodbye. Uh, look at Goodbye. Gabby's face. Look at Gabby's face. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Sirius XM Podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 